All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome into season three, episode 18 of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Andrew Drozdak. I am joined, as always, by my good friend. He just finished watching his favorite Christmas movie, which, Thomas, is what? Ooh, put me on the spot there. Uh, I got to go with our uh relevancy here i'm gonna go with the night before how about that strong strong this that is thomas bowen i didn't get that could you try again (laughs) siri did not get that uh so thomas uh, another question to put you on the spot is die hard a christmas movie one hundred thousand percent die hard is absolutely a christmas movie this this is why we're best friends uh and why we do well together because that is the only correct answer that yes it is in fact a christmas movie i find people who argue that point to be absolutely absurdly ridiculous let Um, me ask you this though i have heard recently and this this may not be a new take but it is a new take Mm -hmm. to me is is or is not lethal weapon a christmas movie so i saw that recently and i haven't seen lethal weapon in a long time i is is it centered around christmas like i don't remember it being christmassy yeah i I don't think it's christmassy i think maybe you know the time of year that it takes place maybe or, or maybe it's just when it came out i don't know but but my point is i'm all about shoot 'em up Bang Bang movies right. being Christmas movies, I'm down well, with that. And the thing about it is Die Hard 2 is also set on Christmas. Because remember, mm-hmm. he's in the airport and he's traveling. Mm-hmm. And like I, I'm, I'm going to give you a hot take right here. You ready for this hot take? Oh, I, I hope you're going to say what I think you're going to say. I like Die Hard 2 better than Die Hard 1. Yes, my man. I, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, is, with it you. is It is so good. I love that movie. All right. So we are, believe it or not, here to talk about football. We can do that all day. But uh, so, Thomas, we're going to jump in in just a second to the South Carolina Gamecock football head coach uh, Shane Beamer and his introduction to his new offensive coordinator to the press and to the, the world, if you will, Dowell Loggins. Uh, and then we will talk about transfer portal stuff through the lens of South Carolina, some NIL stuff. And then we'll take a look at South Carolina's bowl game. Uh, they will be playing in the Gator Bowl uh, against the Notre Dame Irish. Is it not fire, Fighting Irish anymore? Is that not 2022 to say Fighting Irish? I feel like that could be taken in a way. Is that? Ooh, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't think about that. I, I've, okay. I've just been kind of leaning into the whole Cox versus Catholics. That that works with me. That works with me. And then we will talk semifinal uh playoff football uh coming up as well so anybody brand new to the show we are what we like to call slightly above average football fans so what does that mean that means thomas and i are ate up with football we have spent our lives uh we were at one time players in high school coaches but we have also been just football junkies for most of our lives so we like to think we know a little bit more than the average fan in the stands and we try to explain the game in a way that maybe the slightly below average football fan would understand it better we're proud to be a part of the pigskin podcast network newly joining that network and uh, proud to be a member of that group so thomas i'm going to start us off usually you lead the way here but i'm going to start us off because i've got kind of a uh long-winded thing i'm going to say about the press conference but if i think if you'll stick with me you're going to find it interesting okay so first of all coach shane beamer had his press conference i guess it's what a week and a half ago two weeks ago at this point where he introduced his new offensive coordinator former uh or i guess technically still uh tight end coach at arkansas daryl loggins he had or dowell excuse me dowell loggins he had um he had 16 years as an uh, offensive coordinator and uh, offensive coach in the NFL. Varying degrees of success there. There was an article that listed him, I think this was back in 2017, as the worst play caller in the NFL, Thomas. Now, <laughs> to give some context to that that somebody pointed out to me, do you want to know who they ranked second worst? Ooh, I'm curious to hear this one. 
Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the 49ers, who has wow. taken the 49ers to the Super Bowl and taken <clears throat> helped take the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl and has had the 49ers in the playoff contention for a while now, thought of as an offensive genius, if you will. So that is, uh, you know, just to give a little context there. Well, I just say all that to say Dar- Dowell Loggins, that's going to take me a minute to get right. Dowell Loggins was not a beloved hire by South Carolina fans, football media. There was a lot of question marks going around the internet, if you will, and social media of who, what, why, why would, why would Shane Beamer pick this guy? Well, Shane Beamer, Thomas, and I'll give you your chance to give your opinion on this, but I'm going to give mine first. Shane Beamer came for absolute blood in his press conference. Absolute blood. He's calling out media members. He's calling out insiders. I know when you get your chance, you're going to talk a little bit about that you think he may have called out the fans a little bit and and whatnot, but he was coming for heat. So, Thomas, I don't think we've ever really had this conversation, but I feel like I know the answer. Would you call yourself even remotely close of a professional wrestling fan when you were growing up? Uh, Growing up in some of my younger years, sure. If if we want to go back to the – to the DX, to the Stone Cold yep, days. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so you're going to get the analogy I'm about to make, I think. All right? So in professional wrestling, I'm a big nerd of history. I'm a history major, former history teacher. That's why I love football and all the other things that I can analyze. But in the world of professional wrestling, there are essentially two camps. There are the heels, or the bad guys, and there are the baby faces, or faces, who are the good guys. So a good guy if he starts to get less of a pop from the crowd, and what that means is less cheering, less interest, he may decide to switch. And it's called a heel turn, and he becomes a bad guy. So the crowd goes from loving him to hating him. The example that everybody around our age, Thomas, might remember is Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan in the 80s and early 90s was Mr. Good Guy. Hulkamania and eat your vitamins, brother, and say your prayers, listen to your parents. He was the ultimate good guy. By about 1996, he had moved to WCW, and the the crowd was not responding to him in the way that they had wanted him to. So eventually, through a storyline, they made him a bad guy. They made him Hollywood Hulk Hogan, who was this egomaniac, you know, yelling at the crowd, I'm the reason you love wrestling, you know, all this stuff. So I bring all that up. Shane Beamer, during his two years at South Carolina, has been, in my opinion, a face. We're going to call his face character philosophical Shane. He was talking about loving your brother, struggling well, getting 1% better. Typically, what happens when a character makes a heel turn is that something happens in the crowd or something like that. Or they start booing him. Famously, Rock, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, famous you know, for many things now, his first entrance into professional wrestling, he was Rocky Maivia based off of his uncle or his grandfather and his father's characters, and crowds hated him. They started chanting, die, Rocky, die. They hated this face character so much, so they turned him heel, and The Rock went on to be one of the biggest professional wrestling personalities and characters ever. So I feel like Shane had a little bit of a heel turn in this press conference. Shane went from philosophical, I love everybody, we should all love each other, culture, culture, love each other, to what I like to call petty Shane. And petty Shane started coming for people. He came, what's the reporter's name? Gene, what's his last name? Sapikov. Sapikov. He was he he threw Gene right under that bus <laughs> and yeah. was like, "Let me tell you all the reasons you're wrong." That has continued on to uh, early signing day, which we'll touch on here in a little bit. That he's you know he called out Maryland football today. Talked about how we've started to try and recruit what's known as the DMV area, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And said to the something to the effect of, if these guys want to come play in sold-out stadiums in the way football should be, they should come to South Carolina and essentially not go to Maryland. That is not the Shane Beamer of of year one and year two, the beloved guy who took the got the uh, set of a Gatorade bath, a Mayo bath at the end of the Duke's Mayo Bowl. This dude is angry. And he's coming for blood. And Thomas, you know, I'll give you your chance here to talk a little bit about Shane in a second. But I like it. 
because in my estimation, a lot of your best competitors are petty and thin-skinned. Think about Michael Jordan, one of the goats of, of athletics. He literally had his high school coach come to his NBA Hall of Fame ceremony induction just to remind him he cut him. Like everybody thought he was bringing him there to be like, hey, coach, you cut me, taught me to work harder, you know, da-da-da-da-da, this like really positive spin. Hell no. MJ went after him and was like, hey, remember when you cut me? Don't you feel stupid now sitting at my Hall of Fame? So Shane got petty, and I'm okay with it, and I like it. And before I turn the mic over to you, I will also say this. Dowell Loggins if there is a such thing as winning the press conference, won the press conference, uh, in my opinion. He said all the right things. He talked about keeping things simple. He said, I don't really think we have a system. I've got to get to know the players and their abilities and find out how to maximize that. He talked about space and pace and playing with that. So, you know, it will all remain to be seen how good of a play caller he is. But right now, there are a couple things that are clear in my mind. Number one, Shane Beamer got the guy he wanted, and he doesn't care if you didn't want him. Number two, Shane's on a different level right now. Like he, He's coming for people. Number three, Loggins at least seems prepared to be in this position. He doesn't. He did not seem overwhelmed at the press conference. Doesn't mean he's not going to go out there and we can't, you know, score a point. But I say all that to say he seemed prepared. All right, Thomas, I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Tell us your thoughts. And for folks who can't see Thomas, he's got kind of like a Jedi look going on right now with his hood on. <laughs> it's very, very judgy. So I can't wait to hear his take. He's got his arms crossed. He's not agreeing with me. Hit him with the truth, Thomas. Okay, so first of all, full, full disclosure, um, uh, um, of course, as a lot of people know, living in a house with uh, with um, my wife and a newborn, and my wife is always hot, so it is freaking freezing in my house right now. <laughs> so I am one step away from having ski pants on and ski bibs right now. So yes. all that to say, it, 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 here's where I am with this presser. <clears throat> and you and I talked, <clears throat> excuse me, you and I talked at length about this. Number one, I thought that the way that Shane handled the press conference, for the most part, was petulant. He looked and sounded like a little child. And what I mean by that is, and for people who haven't heard, and I'm paraphrasing here, but when he first went after Gene Sapikov and and make no bones about it. I, I am not a Gene Sapikoff apologist. I'm, I'm I'm not saying that I'm taking up for him or a big fan of him. I, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it was Ron Mars, if, if some of y'all remember that guy. But point being is, he, he went into Gene because Gene had, had written a column that day. And a lot of people were questioning this hire. And rightfully so for a lot of reasons. And what he said was, again, paraphrasing was, basically, all of you media types, writers, you, you talked about his record as an OC in the NFL. Okay, well, that's fine. Well, did you dig a little deeper? Did you call Sean McVay and talk to him about him? Did you talk to Sean Payton and ask him about him? Did you call Connor Shaw? Did you call yada, yada, yada? I don't care. My point is, is I didn't like his approach there. I felt that Shane should have gone in ecstatic, selling his guy, hey, we got the guy I wanted. This is the guy I wanted. I'm excited about the future. Here's what's going to happen. This is why I brought this guy in. He didn't take that approach. And that's fine. I'm not I'm not here to, to say what approach he should or should not take. Shane's got his reasons, and that's fine. Now, that's how I handle the press conference. I do agree with you that I think Loggins, Loggins handled himself very well in the press conference. Um, I would agree with you that that Loggins won the press conference. I, after many, many years as a South Carolina fan and lackluster offensive coordinators, I am no longer interested in offensive coordinators that can win the press conference. Now, if you look back, and Heath Klein made a really good point on his show 
looking at the history of South Carolina football, when has South Carolina ever hired a marquee offensive coordinator? Honestly, you've really got to go back to Brad Scott, which we know how that ended. But Yikes. he was exactly he he was the hot commodity. He, he was the up and coming offensive guy, bringing him out of Florida State. Right? Is that where? Yeah, he was at Florida from? State. Yeah, Florida State. Yeah. So and, and and we saw how that ended. The best thing he did here was the stupid uh, Heinz commercials that he did. Tastes good on Tigers too, right? But it's my like point, a look tap from one of my linemen. Yeah. Point being is, I'm I do like a lot of the things that 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 Logan said. I like a lot of the things that I think he's going to do. I like you mentioned space and pace of play. I like that. I like that approach. I do think that I think it is going to be a much, much simpler offense, a much mm-hmm. more mainstreamed or streamlined offense. I think he is one of those offensive coordinators that at least on the collegiate level is going to be more about half field reads for quarterbacks. We have talked about this before where a lot of offenses, quarterbacks have progressions and they've got the entire field to read one, two, three, four through their progressions, check down or dump it off. I am not as big of a fan of that type of offense on the collegiate level because it's just too much. It's information overload for quarterbacks. You need to give them half field reads, one, two, dump it off and go with it. So I do like that. I think it's going to be simpler. I like the fact that let's be honest, and, and we're going to get into uh, we're going to get into signing day here in a minute, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. But let's be honest, we needed some tight ends after the mass exodus of our tight ends. And without Dow Loggins, we probably would not have Trey Knox from Arkansas, which I think is a huge get that we'll talk about yep. later. Um, bottom line, uh, I'm not as down on it as I originally was. I do think that at this point, it's kind of got to be, hey, let's see what's going to happen. You got to you gotta trust your head coach. This is apparently who he wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and make no bones about it. I'm not trying to say that I know more than Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer knows. Shane Beamer has forgotten more about football than I will ever know. So he's the reason, or he's the one that's getting paid millions of dollars. Let's leave it to him. Let's see what happens. Now, if we get to the halfway mark of the season next year and we've got a putrid offense, then uh, people are going to have a lot of questions. So I do think that that Shane is is putting a lot on the line with this hire. And if he's willing to put his stones out on the line for that, then Let's stand behind him and see what he can do. No, I, I agree with you on that. And and you made an excellent point there at the end. Let me be clear. I have question marks about this hire. I have question marks about this hire. I, I am in wait and see mode. And that's not just like the, the Gamecock pessimist fan in me. I, I don't like this was an outside the box hire. Let's call it what it is. This Like I literally... Again, we talked about being slightly above average football fans. I literally, when I saw his name on the early like potential candidate list, I was like, "Who is this person? What does he do?" Like, I've never even heard of him, nah. and that's hard for me. Like, I, I it's hard for me to not know who a guy is. And so, you know, it. However, there are there one thing I will say is Shane Beamer has to know, has to know he's got to get this one right. He's got to get this one right. And the one part that I did not like about the press conference, as much as I liked what Shane did, was he kind of went, hey, remember how? Remember when I hired Clayton White and Pete Limbo? You all were like, who are these guys? And they worked out pretty doggone good. I'm like, ha, ah, come on, man. Like, if I'm Clayton White or if I'm Pete Limbo, I'm like, hey, 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 now, listen, I'm doing my job. Don't be bringing me into this mess. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so that was one thing I didn't like. I agree that there were times where it was just like, Shane, we get it. You called everybody. Um, I, I just like the fire. I like the energy. I like it's not coach speak. It wasn't like, hey, you know, he acknowledged like, hey, y'all came for my neck. I'm going to come for y'all's. So I kind of respect that in a way. But, you know, you could also take the approach of, hey, you're a coach. You need to get used to this. He, I agree with you, Thomas. Let, you know, a scenario where, let's say, Spencer Radler comes back next season. Let's say Juice Wells comes back next season. You know, we we've picked up like you mentioned a Trey Knox. We you know we keep those type of guys, guys develop, and so 
if all of that happens, we're back where we were this year where we say, hey, we've we've got playmakers on offense. We have playmakers. That was what frustrated us this season was we had playmakers and we looked like we didn't know what we were doing. So that is what got people on people's nerves. If that if we come out of the gate slow, first three games were, you know, say you lose to UNC in that first game, or if you win, you score 17 points, people are going to start going, hey man, you know, you you touted this. Shane has put a he's he's put a bullseye on his back. He definitely has, and on logins. And so now they got to produce. And I, I like that to an extent because I think you fight harder when your back's against the wall. And so the the back's against the wall, and I think they know that. So all right, we've we've beat that particular horse to death. That is just gonna have to be a wait and see situation. I mean, we we don't know. Like there's no track record to look at so we'll see what happens we're going to move quickly into uh transfers and nils thomas uh jaheem bell put himself in the transfer portal and he is now uh officially official today uh with early signing period he is now a florida state seminal that wasn't shocking you know i i've gone on record and i have no proof or, or evidence of this i'm not an insider i may think i know more about football than the average person but i don't have any connections within the football building at, at south carolina i think he was told coming into the season hey you're going to be a feature you're going to be a big part of this you're going to be a huge piece and there were times where he wasn't even on the field very much and i think mm-hmm. he got fed up with that and was like i new offensive coordinator or not i'm out and, you know, I think the, the crap that sort of gets on my nerves is now all of a sudden these rumors come out of the woodwork online of, well, I heard from my cousin's sister's brother's mailman who knew a GA that he was not a team guy. The team, nobody, I mean, that never, you know, that wasn't brought up during the season. All of a sudden he transfers and it's like, oh, he, nobody liked him. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I don't know. But that's just, that kind of gets on my nerves. That's that internet world. The one that was shocking, still is shocking, and still head-scratching, Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd, starting tailback for South Carolina, had some injury issues during his time here, entered the transfer portal. Most recent intel, if you will, says that Maryland, where he is, he's from Delaware, but up in that area, has said to him, thanks, but no thanks. We actually don't want you to come up here. And... um. There's even rumors that he may consider coming back to South Carolina. Shane Beamer sort of squashed that by saying, I haven't heard or talked to Marshawn Lloyd uh, in two weeks during his uh, early signing day press conference. That one's perplexing. Bell's not. Overall, Thomas, South Carolina didn't get hit that hard in the transfer portal. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah, I, I would. Particularly if you if you look at the rest of the conference and you look at the SEC, I mean, some of these schools got hammered. And, and I really think South Carolina, as far as total numbers hitting the portal, South Carolina was in the in the bottom third, if not quarter, right. of the conference. Right. Um, and yeah, go ahead. So the thing that this has all sort of come down to, at least at South Carolina for the most part, Thomas, at least what we're being told, is that it's about about it's about NIL, name, image, and likeness, money, and situations. And Thomas, you and I actually talked about this last night with some buddies. Uh, shout out to David and Jake, um, if they're listening. We talked about the NIL and what it was designed to be and what it is and isn't. Thomas, do you remember... This is kind of an obscure pool, but you may remember this guy. Do you remember Jeremy Bloom, who played wide receiver at Colorado? I can't say that I do. So the reason I bring his name up, he was, along with being a professional or a really good football player, he was a fantastic downhill mogul skier. So what he wanted to do was use his name, image, and likeness for sponsors to be able to fund his mogul skiing career. He was an Olympic level skier. He competed in the X games to him. It was the same as players who have played in major league, minor league baseball and also played college football, but the NCAA, he went to court about it. This was before Ed O'Banion and he was declared ineligible because he was using his name, image and likeness for sponsorships because he was 
a skier. There wasn't a team to pay him money. He was trying to get skiing endorsements and get, you know, companies that make skis and make jackets and make ski pants and all that. So in my mind, that's what NIL was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, hey, I'm a good football player. I can go like like uh, Spencer Rattler did recently to Dick Dyer Mercedes and do a signing, do an autograph signing where I charge $10, $15 a signed you know, pitcher and make money off that. Or I can go to the local sporting goods store or whatever and say, hey, I'll, I'll do a commercial for you if you pay me, blah, blah, blah. That was what this thing was designed to be. And like an EA Sports, if EA Sports was making NCAA football, when they they used Thomas, if you, you know, I mean, you and I were junkies for that game. They used to have it where it was like, if, if it was going on right now, they would have had a player at South Carolina's quarterback, and all it would have said would have been number seven QB for South Carolina. He would have looked like Spencer Rattler. He would have been the exact same size and weight as Spencer Rattler, but it wouldn't have used his name, and Spencer Rattler would have made no money off of it. But it would have been his image and his likeness. Correct, which is what this all started from. Ed O'Banion, if anybody hasn't heard that name, was a former basketball player at UCLA back in the day. His son was playing an NCAA football or basketball game, and they had like legendary teams. Well, his team made it to the Final Four, so he was on there. So his son's like, hey, Dad, isn't this your team? And he shows it to him, and there's a player that looks just like him, has his same number, you know, all these things, has his teammates, you know, and he's like, wait a minute, hang on a second. How are they doing this? And I'm not getting any money for it. Like, how are they using somebody? And so that's what started all of this. That's what NIL came from. So it was designed to be, you can make money off your name. Signing it is a great way to, to, to do that. Your likeness. So, you know, a, a version of you on an ad or something or your image. And that could be, you know, being on television, for example, advertising for somebody. You know, Johnny Manziel has come out and said, hey, man, I was signing autographs for like, 10k like i'd sign 100 autographs for ten thousand dollars for you know that was what it was because that was illegal and it should have made him ineligible but that was what this was supposed to be and it's not that and i you and i talked last night about the fact that if anybody thought it was actually just gonna be that it's ridiculous like drake may at unc pat narduzzi the head coach at pitt and um uh, Mac Brown have said people tampered with him. Pat Narduzzi said he knows for a fact two schools offered him $5 million to go to their school and be their new quarterback. $5 million. Arch Griffin signed today, nephew of Peyton and Eli, son of Cooper, grandson of Archie. He signed today with Texas officially. They've predicted his NIL money by the time he leaves Texas is going to be in the $12 million range. Thomas, I am for players getting paid. I am for <laughs> players making money. I think back to like when Jadavion Clowney was at South Carolina. Thomas, how many stores in South Carolina and in Columbia, South Carolina in particular, had number seven Carolina jerseys in their store windows? Oh, that's all they had. And Jadavian made zero dollars from that. That's the type of thing that should have been fixed. But we've gone too far. And is there a way, Thomas, to, to wrap this thing back up, bring this back around, or are we just wild, wild west in this bad boy? I, I think it is wild west. And and here's here's my thing on particularly you mentioned Pat Pat Narduzzi and, and what he said, where he, he knows for a fact that two different schools have offered Drake May quarterback of UNC, $5 million to come there. I am, for one, speaking for myself, I'm I'm really tired of, of college coaches, college football coaches are, are really big on bitching and moaning about things and not doing anything about it. If you know for a fact that X school has enticed said player, offered him $5 million, you have hard evidence, then say it. Call them out. Don't just sit there and tweet about it. The same thing, uh, uh, UT San Antonio uh, and Trailer. I can't remember that coach's first yes, name. I know he said the about, same yeah. thing. Yeah, he, he's got players that, that are being tampered with. Well, you know what? 
put your money where your mouth is. Say something about it. The, the, the longer they sit behind these keyboards and sit behind the curtain and just bitch about it, nothing's going to be done. I do think there does there's got to be some guardrails put on this. What mm-hmm. those guardrails are, I have absolutely no idea because it is crazy and it's going to get bigger and it's going to get bigger. And honestly, I think we're at the point now where, and and, and I'm pretty sure you and I agree on this, that the NCAA is not going to do anything about it. They're inept. They're not going to do anything about it. So I really don't know what is going to happen with this. And it is spiraling faster and faster. And, and the farther this thing gets down the hill, the faster it's rolling. And here's my prediction on that. For years, for years, there has been a prediction that the NCAA is going to fall apart, that it's, you know, the big boys are going to break off and say, we're doing our own thing. This is the catalyst, in my opinion. This, this, this will be what drives that home. The NCAA will not exist in the form that it exists right now in five years. It will not be maybe three years. It will not be what it is because I see the power five the true power five going F this noise. I'm not doing this anymore. We're going off on our own. We're going to call it power five football and we're going to, you know, just go play our own national championship and the rest of y'all do whatever. Yeah. And honestly, and, and so be it. If that happens, I feel like they could self govern probably a little bit better than the NCAA does right now. And, and I will not feel sorry whatsoever for the NCAA because they the NCAA as an institution has seen the writing on the wall. They mm-hmm. saw this coming for years and years, even before Ed O'Banion filed his summons and complaint. They knew this was coming and they did nothing about it. And they continue to do nothing about it. Well, and they've continuously <clears throat> shown a lack of willingness to act in situations when they knew things needed to happen. You think all the way back, what was it? I mean, it was in the eighties when they, when they gave SMU the death penalty mm-hmm. that essentially killed SMU football. It's still, it's 2022 and they're still not what they were. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's amazing to me to even think that they were ever what they were. So the NCAA, after they did that said, we can't ever do that again. Like it, it was their nuclear bomb. They were like, we yeah. can't ever, we can't ever nuke anybody ever again. There were teams that deserved it. And they they didn't do it. And so everybody started going. It's just like anything else. Thomas, you're a new parent. I'm a parent. I'm an education. If you only threaten punishment and then you don't actually follow through, they people stop listening to you. Oh, they yeah. think you're they're not, you know, as a parent, your child's gonna go, Oh, well, I'm gonna get 18 more chances before you actually do anything. If yeah. all you ever do is say, Hey, you do that one more time, hey, you do that one more time, hey, you do that one more time. That's what the NCAA's been doing for years. Yeah, sending letters and quite honestly, turning blind eyes to to obvious violations. I mean, you you there is if you talk to anybody in any state in. I guess we'll call it the southeast, you know, everybody can tell you a story about how they know somebody who went to a booster party and there was a room that was, quote unquote, where you put your coat, but it was actually where you put your coat and dropped your cash into a bag. Like that, that is a thing that has been a thing for years and they did nothing about it. They pretended like it didn't exist. And, and they, they, the snowball has gotten too big. There is no stopping it from rolling downhill. Now you've got, I 1000% support these kids getting paid, particularly college football, college basketball, college baseball, Call you know like they're making these universities in the NCAA millions, if not billions, of dollars. They should get a piece of the pie. What's Nick Saban making now? Seven, eight million a year, something crazy yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Like these, should, these should get paid. But we could that could be a whole show. All right, let's switch gears to recruiting very quickly, Thomas, because I know we've been long winded here at the front end of the show. South Carolina, like every other school, had their early signing day. Switching back to Shane Beamer, and uh, I I can't stop picturing in my head 
And Thomas, I know you weren't a big wrestling fan, but Vince McMahon, who was the was previously, I guess, still technically is the owner. That's a whole other situation. He became a character, and he became this Mister McMahon. He would walk down to the arena, to the to the ring with this big puffed out chest, like walk type thing that was really just like over the top. I see Shane doing that when he goes to press conferences now. Because the first. <laughs> The first thing he said when he got to the mic today was, you know, something to the effect of rumors of our demise were greatly exaggerated. Talking about South Carolina, they I mean, Thomas, I don't know that as far as today being early signing day that South Carolina missed on a guy like they 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 kept getting everybody they wanted or everybody they were going after. Yeah, and I think what was really impressive was uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't a lot of it today. Like they they cleaned up yesterday. There there were right. welcome home after welcome home after welcome home tweet yesterday, which I think is really the way to do it. Which shows that you've right. got some good hard commits. And now we're just sitting on you know a, a handful of guys that we're waiting on. But it, it honestly, as a fan of South Carolina. And I don't follow recruiting as much as I once did, but I was pretty into today for this early signing day. And it made it a lot, uh, a lot more entertaining and relaxing. Well, and there was even his name. I think it's Swain is his name. Wide receiver, athlete type guy uh, that coach prime Deion Sanders in Colorado with all their money came after and everybody, including me. And like, I'm like you, I didn't, I don't follow recruiting. Like I once did. I, I follow kids once they get in there. I'm not, I just don't get jonesed up about like, who's going to sign with us anymore. But like, it was all, all the writing on the wall said he's going to Colorado, you know, coach prime got to him and he's going to go. He did not. He stayed at South Carolina. I was like, Whoa, okay. That's big. Like you fought off that. You know, there are two major pieces left in South Carolina's recruiting 2023 class that they're trying to get. One is committed to Syracuse, Lenoris Sellers, and quarterback from from South Florence who just led his team to a uh, national state championship. Maybe he'll one day leave the South Carolina Gamecocks to a national (laughs) championship. Um, He's committed to Syracuse, has been for a while, but South Carolina's come along. They got a new offensive coordinator. There's a lot of writing on the wall that he may be changing his mind. He signs on Friday. Today's Wednesday for anybody who's listening doesn't know. Um, He signs on Friday. If he signs with the Gamecocks, huge get. Now you have is what's Harbor's first name? Nicholas is that his first name? Yeah, Nick Harbor. Yeah, he's from the you know he's from that that DMV area. South Carolina was in really great shape. Then Maryland got involved. Michigan got involved. He, I think, has said he's not signing till February, which is that traditional signing period. If South Carolina pulls those two recruits in, I think the latest thing I saw today was that South Carolina was ranked 16th in the country in recruiting. I saw, by the way, Thomas, do you want to take a guess? Because this was surprising to me. Take a guess what Shane Beamer's first off, uh, first recruiting class was ranked nationally. Oh, um, I do know because obviously he came in kind of in the middle of things, but and he salvaged a lot. But I don't know, thirty second, way wrong, seventy eighth. Well, I mean, you know, we took over a two and eight team, but like you know, then last year I think it was like twenty. Was it really two and eight? Was it two and eight? I, I, I pretty much like kind of blocked that out. The, that year that we fired, we you know the COVID year the, <laughs> when we played. You, know, you had a guy, you had a guy you know Kevin Harris rushed for a thousand yards in an SEC only schedule and we won two games. That was remember oh we gosh. beat Auburn. We beat Auburn and we were like, hey, maybe we can do some stuff. And then <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so just now South Carolina was ranked 16th the last I saw. You know, you get those two guys, you could be looking at with some other players as well. Easily top 15, obviously, maybe even top 10. And that that's an accomplishment. That's an accomplishment. We can't not talk about recruiting and NIL and not mention what Coach Dabo Sweeney said today oh during gosh. the press conference. He talked about, we've been building our program on NIL for years. Probably not what you thought it was. We've been building it on God's name, likeness, and image. Thomas, 
I'm not going to get into, because this is not the show for it, religious views and, and things of that nature and saying something like that about football. Like, I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to go down that road right now. However, my question is very simply this. When does this get old for recruits? When are recruits tired of hearing this? I, th- I, th- I think we're there. Uh, I think we're there. Um, and I think I think we've started to see it last that this earlier, probably prior to this season, started to see it. You started to see some of the national landscape, some of the people that that aren't as embedded in South Carolina college football that we are, where, where we are next door to Clemson, where we're a couple miles down the road from them. So we see it more than somebody in, I don't know, California or Wyoming does. Uh, so we, we've seen it for a while, but I've started to see some of the national landscape. When you start to see people, you know, national writers that I follow are starting to roll their eyes at this. So I think it is, and it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, if if Dabo, who is to his credit, is a master salesman, if he can spin this, but uh, I think a lot of people are just really getting tired of this. Or regardless of of where you land on that and and how you view that, and that's and this is not the venue or the show for that. But it's right. this this is college football, and and uh, I, I'm a, I'm gonna just leave it at that. This is it's, it's no. I will say this a few weeks ago, quite a few, quite a few national pod football cat football cat football podcasts that I listen to, easy for me to say, use South Carolina as America's team, not just because we won two back to back top ten games, but because we knocked off Clemson and we knocked off Dabo and they were tired of Dabo's stick. So that I agree with you. Dabo, one of the things he tried to say also today before we move out of this is that they're doing fine. Their recruiting is fine. Well, their class right now is ranked 11th ahead of South Carolina. Very respectable. But, Thomas, if you go back five years, they they were ranked, what, two, three, four in the country multiple times? Top five, in yeah. So yeah. He, he's, he's trying to give that sales pitch of everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's Kevin Bacon and Animal House going, all is well, all is well. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure it is. Or the, or, or, sure the, it or, is. or the gif where the room is burning down. Everything's fine. Hey, Everything's this fine. Is, this is fine. The guy sitting at the table reading his coffee. All right, before we jump into our preview of the Gator Bowl, I want to talk to you for just a second about DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. It's my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. They have so many different options between same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts. It's just a great option. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do that. Check it out. Check this out right now. Everyone can get up to 150, oh, excuse me, can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings step up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay, and combine as many bets, excuse me, and combine multiple bets while each team will win player props, pet point totals and more the more legs you add the bigger the boost the bigger your shot to win big download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use code tppn place a five dollar bet on any nfl team to win their game get 150 dollars in free bets if they do only at DraftKings sportsbook with the code tppn Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Thomas, let's talk a little bit Gator Bowl here. You and I were talking prior to the show. It's hard to preview this right now. It's hard to preview this right now because who's playing in this game, both for (laughs) South Carolina and Notre Dame? Like, who's playing? Who's coming out there to play for for the Garnet and Black and the Golden Domers? Who's playing? Yeah, it's funny because because as you said, uh, Marshawn Lloyd is gone, and I was like, honestly, man, I was like, so second string running back, South Carolina, CBS, Christian Beal Smith. I don't even know if he's healthy. Is he playing? Sure, they they say he is. Juju Lavasier Carroll. Um, 
a bunch of guys have opted out. A bunch of guys uh, have, have transferred or declared. Some of the guys have declared. I'm like, ah, do you really want to do that? Are, are you sure? Are you sure you're ready to make that? Ready to make that leap? So it, it it is, and and I'm I'm stalling here because I'm not going to have much of a preview here. But here here's one of the things that I'm looking at in in this game is, and I keep going back to the Clemson game when Notre Dame just, uh, as we've mentioned on this show before, crock potted Clemson to death. They Absolutely. ran. They I, I swear I think Notre Dame put 15 guys on the offensive line and just mashed them and just mashed them. They, they ran, you know, 55 personnel all game, it seemed like, and just ran it down their throats. South Carolina, as as this season has shown, has not been superb against the run. So that would be something that I would be worried about if I'm South Carolina. But again, I also don't know who the hell's playing for Notre Dame. I know they're playmating – excuse me, their playmaking tight end, one of their biggest point scorers is is not going to be playing in this game. But outside of that, I don't really know. But I say all that to say that's one of the things that I love about bowl season. These games outside of the playoffs, they're meaningless. So some people say meaningless. I say it's fun. It's carefree. I can sit down. It's a reason for me to watch wall-to-wall football all day before I have to go back to the grind and go back to work, and I haven't been to work in two months, so that's going to be brutal. You want to talk about yeah. the Sunday scaries going back to that, but yeah, it's a reason for me to lock in, drink some cold beer, and watch football all day, and that's what I love about bowl season is there, there's no other reason that I would sit around and watch Toledo and Liberty or whoever, but that's what I love about these bowl games are, and I'll end it with saying that it's great if South Carolina can win the bowl game. If, if, if anybody, if any team to win the bowl game, as meaningless as they are, because it just kind of leaves a nice, sweet aftertaste in your mouth as you go into spring. Otherwise, you're left with that while you ended on a loss. But again, these games don't matter. It's about fun. And I just hope both teams have a good time. <laughs> I hope they try their hardest and have a great time. Yeah. But- but in reality, like seriously, it's a chance for these guys to play football together one more time. Like I, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get philosophical. I'm not going to get too sappy here. Playing the game of football is different, in my opinion, than playing other sports. Thomas, you played more sports than me. I kind of, you know, focused in on football. Like, there's a struggle there. There's, there's a, a physicality that, like it's different than other sports. You're you're you there's a struggleness. There's a I got this guy beside me this and you I, I just I still struggle with again, you know, a player like uh you know, I'm trying to think of a top-notch player. Uh what's the kid uh from Ohio State wide receiver? They're even in the playoffs. He's got a double last name. Smith uh, and Jigba. Smith and Jigba. He he said he's not playing in the bowl game. This is a playoff game and he's not playing. But that guy's been injured. He's got a chance to go make life-changing money, and I don't blame him for sitting out. Like he may not, he I'm sure he hates it because I mean it's just there's a bond there. It's a chance to do it one more time with your brothers. Now, if you're Toledo, if you're Central Florida, if you're those teams, like man, they, <laughs> let's go do this. Is it one more chance? Yeah, some of us may play in the league. We're not probably going to play in the league, but let's go do this. As far as South Carolina Notre Dame, Notre Dame, it's so confusing. Like, is Juju going to be the featured back? What has Rashad Amos done to make this staff angry that at 6'2", 227 pounds, he can't get out there? Um, he's going to be a linebacker. Know, yeah, exactly. Spencer Radler is has said he's playing, and he is playing, and Juice Wells is playing. Um, can we get that guy an Uber deal, by the way? Apparently he got a minor car wreck coming back from uh, home oh, yeah. over the holidays. Like, let's just get him an Uber deal. Let's not let him drive anymore. Let's just not even make that an issue. Um, but then again, Notre Dame's starting quarterback, Drew Pine, will not be playing. As you mentioned, their starting tight end, who's probably their best playmaker on offense, is For not sure. playing. I mean, how does if you worked in Vegas right now, 
Like if you work in Vegas as a line maker and an odds maker, you probably don't sleep a whole lot anyway. You're, you're, you know, you're probably on edge a lot. How are you making these lines right now? Like, what are you doing? Like every time somebody opts out, these statistics guys got to be like, God almighty, I got to go back and do my probability problem all over <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> like, How do you even figure that out? It's going to be fun. I'm going to be in Jacksonville with my family. The first time, Thomas, I have ever, ever been to a South Carolina bowl game. We'll find out if I'm a jinx or not. Um, we'll be there. We're excited. We're, you know, It's going to be great. BB, my daughter, is so excited. She loves going to events right now. I mean, I'd love to tell you she loves football, and she's a little girl from Remember the Titans. I just think she likes the colors and the band, and cocky's kind of her favorite thing. She thinks cocky's at every game. Thomas, you'll, <laughs> you'll love this. Watching the World Cup, she looked at the field, and she went, Daddy, there's no lines on the field. Why are there no <laughs> lines on the field? And I was like, honey, this is a completely completely different sport, completely different sport. Like, right. Just wait until she sends still until she sees one end in a tie. Oh yeah, she, she was like, "What are they doing? Why are they? You know, this is weird. This is so so strange." So let's talk semifinals games, Thomas. It's a little easier because not as many guys are opting out. You got Georgia and Michigan, Thomas. I'll start us off here. We're not going to get into a deep dive on this. We we've broken down these teams. You can go back to our previous episodes to see this, Thomas. I think, and you know, you're going to laugh when I say this because you will say I say this about every game. I think this game's key is at the line of scrimmage. Can Michigan, Michigan's OL block Georgia's defensive line? Do you, do you think that's something they can do? Like, what what are your thoughts there? Wait a second. Wait what a happened? Second. You've you, you you've got you've got a, a major mistake here. And is, and is, is Georgia playing Ohio State? I, I, yeah, I wasn't going to call you out too bad. Ah! On this. I was going to give wow. you the benefit of the brain fart here, but yeah, yeah, Georgia yep. is yep. playing Ohio State, and you knew that. You just had a brain fart. I did. I had a brain fart. You know, this is live as much as we do this, and so we're going to flip I, that bad boy. I thought I had had a stroke when I was reading the notes. I was like, <laughs> "What the hell? What's wait, happening wait, here? what's happening right now?" Okay, so let's let's change that question. It's still the same question. <laughs> can Ohio State's can, can Ohio State's offensive line block Georgia's defensive line to give CJ Shroud the time he needs to cook? Can can he get the ball out? Like, and, there we go. And, I. I I feel like the answer is no, based on the Ohio State-Michigan game, which is maybe what screwed me up. Maybe that's how I got confused. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think if, truth be told, I, I think if, we, if we're looking at it, let's say if you're breaking down the sample size, just looking at that conference championship game, that Ohio State-Michigan game, yeah, you're going to say, man, like Georgia is just going to run all over Ohio State, they're just going to mash C.J. Stroud. But here's the thing, man, is and 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 not to flip sides of the ball here, but but even even after that game, defensively, Ohio State uh, has a lot of holes on the back end, and people mm-hmm. have a lot of questions on that. But I think Ryan Day is a fantastic head coach. I think he is a mm-hmm. very very good head coach, and much like the other top tier coaches in the country, the Kirby Smarts. The, the Nick Sabans and so on, you give them a month to prepare. They're going to clean up some of those things. I also think that C.J. Stroud is a tremendous quarterback. I honestly think he is probably the best quarterback in this class. I do think he is a better draft pick than Bryce Young, and I'll probably take a lot of heat over that. And I won't eat crow if I'm wrong because who gives a crap? I don't care. This is just our <laughs> podcast. We're having fun. But I do think he is – I think C.J. Stroud is a fantastic quarterback, and I think that it's going to come down to the trenches because you're not going to be able to blitz him. George is not going to be able to blitz him. He will pick that defense apart, particularly on the back end. I don't care how good the secondary played against Tennessee. I don't care how how much they shut them down. I think C.J. Stroud can can pick apart any defense like that if you send the house after him. So. This game, and this is not a, a novel thing to say here, but yeah, I, I think you're right. This game is going to be won or lost, lost in the trenches of this game, and I'm really, really fired up for this matchup. Well, and and Georgia can't use the 
the system they used against Tennessee. They shut down Tennessee by manning up, locking guys down at the line and jamming them and and blitzing and making um, Hendon Hooker uncomfortable. You do that to C.J. Shroud, this offensive line is good enough and this offensive system is good enough to give him time and he will pick you apart if you do that. Here's what I like. I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Shane Beamer, I'm still trying to like function in my brain that I had the matchups backwards Um, (laughs) that, that, uh, you know, having your back against the wall is, is one of my favorite things. Having something to prove CJ Stroud did not play well against Michigan. He did Mm -hmm. not play well through two interceptions. Ryan day has been called out. Those two guys should be chopping at the bit to go, Hey, we're going to show y'all. We're going to show y'all we're better than we looked against Michigan. Which, I mean, it, Georgia, this defense is so is, is really good. So it's hard to say they're not as good as last year's defense, but they're not as good as last year's defense because that yeah. defense may have ranked, I don't know, somewhere in the best ever category. 85 you know, like, Bears. Yeah, I mean, if we get into it, I mean, you got really good team. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. I now that I have the matchups right, um, I it's going to be this. This to me is the best of the semifinal matchups. This is the most interesting one because here's the thing: if Ohio State wins this ball game, you know they want revenge at Michigan. You mm-hmm. know they want another shot at those guys. Lost at their lost at the shoe. Got embarrassed kind of by Michigan yeah. and. and, and you know they want another shot, and to be able to say, "Yeah, y'all beat us in the in the game, the rivalry game, but we we beat you for the national championships, the ultimate trump card." Um, so, Thomas, if you had to put money on the line, do you bet? Can you bet against Georgia right now, like with what they're doing? If if I'm if I'm if I'm betting with my head. I would say no. I I don't think you can, and, and I would love to be wrong because I I honestly think it, and not to, and not to give away too much before we get into the next game, but I think Michigan is going to beat TCU. And how poetic would it be to see that rematch between Ohio State and Michigan? Honestly, I would love to see it. I would I, love to see that. I, and I think we mentioned this the last time we got together and did the show. That would be like I, that's that would have to break ratings records yeah. for like college football because that is huge. That is a Yankees Red Sox World Series, which can't happen because they're both in the AL. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like that is yeah. like that like that. It's South Carolina and Clemson playing each other for the national championship. Like as much as I would be a nervous wreck and a ball of anxiety, that's the dream. That your rivalry, your rival and you matter. I mean, it's North Carolina and Duke in basketball. You know, they, they, you know, they, so to have that opportunity, so not to step on the other game too, too much, but I don't think TCU matches up well with Michigan. I didn't think they matched up well with Ohio State when I, when I said that they were playing them. Um, but I don't think they match up well with Michigan. TCU has a very, very, very good offense. They they, they showed that in the Big 12 great. game. They don't have a great defense. No. And, and they don't have a championship-level defense, in my opinion. And I think Michigan is pretty doggone good, um, even without their starting running back, Blake Corum. And, and so, Thomas, I guess the way to ask this question is, how how could TCU pull this off? Do they do, can they get a couple turnovers? What like how if, if you're a TCU fan, talk yourself into into TCU winning this game. What's it take? Well, it, it's going to take them scoring on every possession for starters, and and, and right. as you mentioned, they've got a very good offense, and, and they that's not unfathomable. They could do that, but. I mean, Michigan's got a, got a good defense, but but yeah, if you're TCU and you're talking, how, how do we win this game? You got to score every possession, and you got to steal one or two. I mean, that's 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 where it breaks down. And I just I think that the way that their offense is built, it's 
it's just not conducive to that. And it's a very fast paced offense. I think Max Duggan is awesome. I think he's a great quarterback, yes. but it's, it's a fast offense and they, sc- they like to score quickly. That defense is going to be on the field too much. And Michigan is going to crock pot them to death. I agree. And here's the thing. I mean, it, it comes down to, can you, I, I think I, I do. I think TCU could score a whole lot of points on Michigan. Yes, I do but I just don't know that they can stop them. And if they screw up and have a turnover, uh, you know, a fumble, a bad interception in their own territory, that might be all she wrote. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, here's the thing. It's football is such a momentum game. You know, if, if, if Michigan comes out and is firing on all cylinders and, you know, the moment's a little bit too big for TCU, that could get out of control early. That could get ugly early. Is is the Georgia the Georgia game's the first game, right? Uh no, the Georgia game is the later game. Oh man. Mm, that's now it, and, and here's the thing is, um, and again, as I stall to pull up uh my schedule here, yeah, yeah, because the Michigan TCU game is at four, Georgia, Ohio State is at eight. And the thing is, is if by some miracle or whatever, if TCU pulls this game, uh, if, if TCU does pull this off and beats Michigan, I think the national championship is going to be a snooze fest because I think Ohio State and Georgia both would annihilate TCU. Yeah, I, exactly. If somehow TCU makes it to the next round, they get destroyed. They, yeah. they, they get absolutely destroyed. Um, Georgia's just a machine right now. I think Michigan wins wins this game with TCU. I'm – I. You know, the old adage or thought processes in college football or at least in our area, Thomas, is you should pull for your league, which I don't really understand because Hell I, no. Hell I don't no. I don't want Georgia to win another national championship. It makes it even harder for us to recruit against them. So as a football fan, and you know, my father in law would be thrilled if Ohio State was playing in the national championship. Um Ohio State Michigan rematch as a football college football fan would be a lot of fun to watch and I'd love to see it. So I'm sort of pulling for that as much as you can pull for anything. So fans, this was uh, another episode of our show. Please check us out on social media. That is S A a football fan at S A a football fan on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. You can email us at saafootballfan at gmail.com. Don't hold it against me that I didn't know the matchup of the semifinals without (laughs) Thomas reminding me. Uh, Thomas, as we head out the door, tell the people something you want to tell them. That this show is sponsored by Prevagen and reminding you to take your brain pills and remember (laughs) who is playing who. Yes, that is. And in the good words of my good friend, or my good friend, I don't know him, my favorite wrestling announcer, is that Shane Beamer's music? Woo!